Welcome to Passion Life Church. And uh, welcome to part one of this incredible series that we've called This is the Victory. I've never met a person in life that says I love to lose. I've never met. As a matter of fact, I've met some sore losers, but I've never met a person that says, yeah, it's the game. Can't wait. Don't care if we win. Love to lose. Never met a person. Everyone I've ever met is always like, we are about the win. Am I in the, the right house today? We're in about the win. Now, that's why I don't understand why some of you choose the football teams that you choose. I thought you liked to be winners, but maybe it's because you're people of faith and you just believe that one day in this decade, they're going to win. Even if they switch cities, they're going to win because we're all about winners. And you know what? God is about winning. And we're starting this series and we're going to focus on faith. We're going to talk about what is faith. How is it developed? How do we use our faith? Let's look at our theme scripture today in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. It says, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Come on, Passion Life Church. Can we say this scripture together? Let's say it together. One, two, three. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Now, what's interesting about this particular scripture is that the Bible says everybody that is born of God. So if Jesus has come into your life, if Jesus is your Lord and your Savior, you are born of God. And maybe you're coming back to church. Maybe you haven't been to church in a while. But let me just tell you, you can be born of God today. At the end of the service, we always close out a service with giving people this opportunity to be born of God. And here's what happens. When you are born of God, you have an empowerment to help you overcome the world. And what is that empowerment? That is faith. Everybody say that with me. Say faith. And today what I want to do is I want to talk about the one thing that accesses everything. The one thing that accesses everything. You know, as a child of God, you are empowered to overcome. And you know, unfortunately, if you've been alive for any period of time, you realize that sometimes life just does not go your way. How many of you would agree and say life has just not gone my way sometimes? You may be here today and man, you've gone through some situations. There were some things that you didn't choose. You know, sometimes situations, things can happen that really impact our lives. We go to the doctors and, or the doctor and we get a diagnosis shared with us that it wasn't what we were planning on. And you know what I think is that maybe sometimes through these situations, we're just led to believe that we're just supposed to go on through life and just tolerate, you know, just tolerate this. It's just, you know, it just happened. But listen, I came to tell you today, it's not about tolerating it. It's about overcoming. 
And you have a spirit on the inside of you that is an overcomer. And let me just give you a little disclaimer about these next five weeks as we dive into faith. This is probably one of the most important subjects that we could ever talk about because your prayer life is predicated on your faith. Your witnessing to other people is predicated on your faith. Your generosity is predicated on your faith. Your accessing God is predicated on your faith. Your connection to God is predicated on your your faith. Miracles are predicated on your faith. This is important. But let me give you a little disclaimer in the next five weeks. I came here to help us grow. And you know that growth doesn't happen in our comfort zone. Growth is often uncomfortable. So in the next five weeks, we're going to stretch a little bit. I'm going to poke your faith a little bit. I'm going to encourage you, and I'm going to develop you. This isn't going to be one of those things like some of us go to the gym and just hang out at the bar and drink smoothies and talk to our friends and say we went to the gym. Right? That's what we do sometimes. We, oh, I went to church. So what did you get out? Ah, I don't know. No, no, we're not going to be those type of people. In five weeks, you are going to have your faith developed. You're going to know how to use it. And I'm believing this. I'm believing for miracles in the next five weeks in your life. Let me say it again. I'm believing for miracles in your life because of faith. Ooh, you're clapping. That means I may preach this morning. I love to preach to people who are smiling. I'll tell you what, it's a lot better. A lot of people know about faith. They just don't know how to exercise their faith. And you know what? You can experience victory. And this is what I believe. This is not only just about miracles, but it's also about getting you to where God wants you to be. And uh, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Numbers chapter 13. We're going to just rest there a little bit. But uh, I want to encourage you. You're not going to be able to turn to every scripture. There's a lot of scriptures today. Why do I do that? I do that because you need to see it in the word of God. You know, the Bible says that his word doesn't return void in our lives. And so I want you to look at it. You know, on the back of your worship guide, there's some notes there. You can just write, write some scripture, write some points. But just get ready in Numbers chapter 13, verse 27. But why? Why is faith so important in our walk with God? Well, number one, it's how we access God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. How many of you want to please God? Let me see your hand. You want to please God? I believe you do because you're here this morning. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God is so amazing. He will reward you for seeking him. He will reward you for seeking him. And then faith is so important because, you know what? God wants us to live a lifestyle of faith. Listen, not just have moments of faith on Sundays when we come to church. Not just have bursts of faith, but actually live a lifestyle of faith. Romans chapter 1 verse 17 says this. It says, for in this the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. There's growth there. As it is written, listen to this, the just shall live by faith. Or you could say it this way, the just by their faith 
shall live. Faith is supposed to be a lifestyle. I think sometimes when you talk about faith, people just say, oh, faith is just a religion or my religion is or my faith is. Faith is actually supposed to be a lifestyle that when we get up in the morning, we're living by faith. And as a child of God, here's the amazing thing that you're gonna find. God gives you what you need to overcome. Listen, Romans chapter 12, verse three says, God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Will you turn to your neighbor just real quick and say, you have faith. Turn to your second choice and say, you have faith. You know, as a child of God, God has given you a measure of faith. In other words, he has already given you something to start with. He's given you a measure of faith. So if faith is so important, right, in our walk with God and connecting with God, accessing God, then here's the question. What is faith? Because if I'm supposed to live by it, I'm supposed to access God by it, what is faith? I'm so glad you asked. That's what I love about you. You are the most intelligent congregation I've ever preached to. I love your questions. I love how spontaneous you are. I love how you smile when I preach. It's just so amazing. I love being at home. That's why, because I got two people that are standing with me this morning. Come on, two people will change the world in Jesus' name. So the question is, what is faith? Hebrews 11.1 1 helps us. It says this. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We're going to talk a little bit today about vision, about what we don't see and how important what we don't see is even actually more important than what we do see. But it says now faith is the substance. I want you to notice a couple things here as we break this down. Number one, faith is always now. It's always right now. But we're having faith for the future. But you know, the Bible says that faith is a substance. Would you say that with me? Say substance. I looked up this word in the Greek because that's the original text of the New Testament is the Greek language. And substance means this. It means firm trust. It actually means a conviction. A trust of conviction that actually causes me to act. Now, listen to this. This is so important. In Jeremiah 29, 11, the Bible says that God has a future for you and a hope. We did a whole series on future and hope. I love that series. I, I, I'm still listening to it, actually. And uh, Pastor Phil, you listen to yourself preach? That's kind of weird. Well, listen, let me just tell you this. If I can't listen to myself preach, then I wouldn't want you to listen to me. And so I got to listen. And I listen to that because it's the word of God. And also, I, I, you know, I want to get better at this. Come on, how many of you know I want to grow, too? And uh, but the Bible says that God has given us a future and a hope. But without faith, your hope is just a wish because we have to have hope. Let me, let me outline it this way. In this building, there was a framework. There was uh, a frame that was put out before they poured in the cement. And here's what our hope is. Our hope is that framework. That hope is that expectation that we put down. But faith is the believing and the trusting that we pour in. It's like cement that poured into our hope. And notice Hebrews 11, 1 says this. Faith is the substance to things hopeful. For. See, we can't just hope for a miracle. We have to have faith and add faith to our hope. Faith and hope work together. I know a lot of people that are wishing. See, wishing is not faith. Well, I just wish, and I just wish, Lord, and I wish. You know what? You can wish all you want and never move. You can wish all you want and never make a change. 
There's a difference between wanting and willing. There's a difference between saying, I want to lose weight and I'm willing to get up and go to the gym and not just sit at the bar and drink smoothies and talk with my friends and talk about how I went to the gym, but actually go to the gym and come out with some sweat. Come on, somebody, and have some guns, some illegal guns when you walk out. Like Alex Esparza over there. Watch out, I'm just warning you, that guy, he's got some guns. I'm telling him, he, I told him today, I said, I saw your guns. You, where's the permit for those things? This is California, this ain't Texas. But you know, faith is a substance. It's a conviction that we have to absolutely trust God and it causes us to move. And so what happens when we have faith? Well, let me just break some things down, and today's just an introduction in the next five weeks, but let me just say it simply this way. When you have faith, you start to see things from God's perspective. It's a whole different vision of life. You see yourself from God's perspective. You see people and the world from God's perspective. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18 says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. See, as a child of God, God has an inheritance for you. But look at this. He says, the eyes of your heart. One translation says, the eyes of your understanding. Pastor Phil, I do not have eyes in my heart. My eyes are on my head. Your physical eyes are on your head, but the eyes of your heart are in your spirit. And so what the spirit sees can be totally different than what you see with your eyes. It's a whole different perspective. You know, the Bible says as a Christian, we are to walk by faith and not by sight. We are to walk by faith and not by sight. And here's where many people get discouraged. They get discouraged because they look at the world. And I hear it. I hear the complaints. Oh, this and the president died and blah, 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 blah. You know what? That's because you are looking with physical sight. But there is a much deeper vision that comes from the eyes of your heart, which is your spirit. There is a whole unseen realm in this room today that is more real than what we can see. I know today you can see this stool, but you know what? The unseen world is more real than this stool. Can I just tell you that today the Holy Spirit is in this room today and the Holy Spirit will outlast this stool. This stool eventually will break down and that's what happens with temporary things. Your body is temporary. I know we're crossfitting and doing our burpees and all that stuff, getting our bodies to where it needs to be good. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm glad some of us have big temples. Some of us have smaller temples. Can somebody say amen? Some of us are just big bone temple, temples. Come on. I'm not fluffy. I'm big boned. All right. I love it. But you're still the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I love it. We need to be healthy. But let me just tell you this. There's going to come a day that all of your Botoxin and detoxin isn't going to help because you're going to go in the ground. Or if you choose to be uh, cremated, right, and they're going to throw your ashes all over the ocean, right, so little kids can jump into them. I don't know. I don't understand it, folks. But this is what I hear. Then one day, this is going into the ground. And your spirit is going to live for eternity. This is temporary. And here's what happens. A lot of us focus on the temporary. 
A lot of us are focused on the temporary things that we can see. And today, as we look at faith, this is where it takes faith. We need to start looking deeper into what God has for us. And actually, the Bible says that the things that last are the things that are unseen. I don't want to build my life on temporary. And I'm telling you this morning, I don't want to just invest in the temporary. But so this is where faith realm comes in. It comes in and I'm believing, I'm just believing that we're going to be a different kind of church. I just believe that our faith is going to be so stirred that you're going to come in and that you're going to just understand that when we're worshiping that the presence of God is here and you're going to draw on the presence of God. And you know what's going to happen? Miracles are going to happen even before the preacher gets up. Right during worship, people who have cataracts are going to begin to see perfectly. People who have diabetes, it's going to fall off them in Jesus' name. People who are having migraine headaches are going to go and say, you know what? I, my head doesn't hurt anymore. That is the power of God. And I know you don't see him here, but Jesus is here today. And that's the unseen world. And so here's the question. How do you look at the world? Do you look at the world through the eyes of faith? Because here's what happens. Many people look at the world through the eyes of fear. And fear is actually, I call it an inverted faith. You actually so believe that the negative is going to happen that it causes you to act. And what I want to do, if you found Numbers chapter 13, I want to look at the, a story here about some people who looked through the eyes of fear. God had a great plan for them. And then we're going to look at what faith is actually doing and what, is it, what happens when we look through the eyes of faith. And let me just give you a real quick brief uh, history. God had delivered his people from Egypt. Egypt was a superpower of the world at that time. God dealt with Pharaoh for his people. They were free. They walked out. The Bible says they actually even got new clothes and none of them were feeble. None of them walked out of Egypt sick. And God protected them with a cloud in the day and fire by night. So the cloud would block out the sun. So none of them would get sunburned. And then at night he put a great fire over them to keep them warm. Isn't God so awesome? God split the sea so they could walk right through it. And here's why he did it. Because he wanted his people to be free. He wants you to be free. And he set up this promised land that he had for them. He says, look, I have a land flowing with milk and honey. It actually means in the original text, it is a land that promotes wealth and prosperity. And they get to the edge of this land and they're looking and Moses sends spies into the land to check it out. We're going to go check it out. We're going to go see what is this land. Ten come back with a negative report and two come back with a positive report because ten look through the eyes of fear and two look through the eyes of faith. Can I ask you a real quick question for those of us that read the Bible? Can any of us today give me at least three names of the ten spies that came back with a negative report? No one. You know why? Because negative, critical people are never remembered. But you know who is remembered? Joshua and Caleb. How many of you have heard of Joshua and Caleb? Let me see your hands. Those are the people who saw through the eyes of faith. And as we go through these five things, I want you just to look in your heart and see maybe you are looking at your life through the eyes of fear. 
So they get to the promised land and here is the the spies. They come back and they tell millions of people, we can't go in there, we can't do it. There's giants in the land, we are not able. And here's what happens when you look through the eyes of fear. Number one, we exaggerate our difficulties. We exaggerate our difficulties. God had defeated Pharaoh for them. He defeated a world power for his people. And now they're afraid of some tribes. They're afraid of some tribes that are in the land. Numbers chapter 13, verse 27. Here's what they said about the land. They said, it's a magnificent land, but the people living there are powerful and their cities are fortified and large. What's more, we saw Anak and there are giants there. Now I want you to know something. It's important. 10 out of 2. 10 were negative, 2 were positive. And I could say that holds true today. If you're going to see through eyes of faith, the majority report is always negative. Majority of people are always negative. And if you're going to see through the eyes of faith, you need to know you are in the minority. But here's the reality. In God's eyes, the minority with faith overcome. The majority with fear do not. And so I want to be in the minority if I have faith. But you know what? If you look at your problems, are you exaggerating the problems? I've learned one thing in pastoring. I've counseled a lot of people. And I always look when I'm counseling people for people who exaggerate. Exaggerate. Oh, I'm so bad. Right? And you start to figure out. One thing that will always make you exaggerate your difficulties is looking through the eyes of fear. We're all gonna die. There's always that one guy. Trump's president, it's over. It's over. I don't know about you, but I got up this morning. I got the same cup of coffee in my little Keurig, or how do you ever pronounce it? Keurig. And I pressed the little thing and it made me my cup of coffee. I sat on my uh, couch and I read my Bible and I was at peace. I don't care who was president. I just pray for the president. But people are like, oh, we're going to hell in a handbag. Would you just be quiet? Would you just relax? Like we used to say in the 80s, take a chill pill and suck on it forever. (laughs) Just relax exaggerating, (laughs) exaggerating. God took out Pharaoh. He can get you into the promised land. Look in Numbers 31, uh, 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 verse 31, it says, the other spy said, the other spy says, they'll crush us. In other words, one translation says, they're going to eat us up. So the majority report of the spies was negative. But when Joshua, this is what's so incredible, Joshua and Caleb, I love these guys. They said, we can take it. They're not going to eat us up. We'll go in there and we'll eat them up. And you know what? They had to wait 40 years because a whole generation died in the wilderness because they saw through the eyes of fear. But here's, here, listen to this. Do you know that when Joshua and Caleb got in 40 years later, do you know that all the people in the land said this? We were so scared of you all. We heard what your God did to Pharaoh. We heard about the plagues. That's why Rahab was like, I want to be on your side. You know what? Hey, don't, don't take me. I'll help you. And here it was. They were afraid of the enemy, but the enemy was afraid of them. And what will happen is you'll exaggerate your difficulties. Here's number two. When we look through the eyes of fear, we 
underestimate our abilities. We underestimate our abilities. Look at verse 33. They're talking about their experience and they say, we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we look the same to them. Now, isn't this interesting? How did they know how the giants saw them? And I just told you the giants were actually afraid of them. But they, because of their fear, underestimated their own abilities. This is called projection. You will project on other people your fears. That's why parents, it is so important that you are parents full of faith. Because you know what? There's the, I think uh, science tells us there's two fears that people have. Uh, the fear of falling and the fear of public speaking. And I mastered both of those. Come on, somebody. I've only fallen off the bed like twice and I'm up here speaking. But you know what? There are thousands of phobias. And you know how we get them? Listen, they're learned. They're learned. And you know what? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. And my son will not grow up with fears from granddad, grandma, mom, and dad. He will not. And many times it's just learned behaviors. It's just learn. I want my son to be full of faith. But you know what? If we're going to raise kids full of faith, parents, come on. We got to be full of faith. We got to be full of faith. It's called projecting. And they were projecting on everybody else. Hey, we're just grasshoppers. And this is what I don't really understand is where did, where did the grasshopper mentality come from? Because I think a lot of times here's where some of us are at. One person in our life, maybe that had influence said, oh, you can't do that. Or you know what? You're uncoordinated. Oh, no, no, you'll never be. And for some reason, that keeps playing in our head and it just diminishes our abilities. And for some people, there are people in your lives who said that they're not even around anymore. Some of them are even gone onto the grave. But you know what? It's still rehearsing in your mind. Do you know when they went into the land they looked and they found out when Joshua and Caleb went in that the taller ones were actually the more peaceful and actually the nicer ones. They found out, Joshua and Caleb, when they went into the land, that the taller ones actually weren't even warriors or trained for battle. But because how they saw themselves, they were defeated. See, some people are defeated in their mind even before they start. And you know what? We say we can't do, but I will tell you this. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Come on, somebody. And here's what happens. Number three, when we look through the eyes of fear, we get discouraged. Numbers chapter 14, verse 1. Look at chapter 14. It says, then all the people began weeping. Oh, no, crying aloud. And they carried on all night. They threw the biggest, massive, pity party slumber party and it says oh they were whining and poor us can I just tell you something again I'm not here to make you feel comfortable I'm here to tell you the truth self-pity does not move the heart of God faith does and there's a lot of people, even Christians, they sit in the corner and feel sorry for themselves. And well, if, if, if I don't feel sorry for me, who's going to feel sorry for myself? So you know what? If I don't throw a party for me, who's going to throw a party for me? So I'm going to throw a pity party for me and you're not invited. <laughs> so you are taking care of yourself when all along God wanted to take care of you. Here's number four. When we look through the eyes of fear, we start to gripe about our lives. 
Look at verse 2. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. We wish we had died in Egypt, they wailed, or even here in the wilderness. My church family, griping and complaining doesn't access God. I'm going to say that again. Griping and complaining will not connect you with God. Whining will not get you the victory. I just wish we would win. Well, you know what? You need to have faith to overcome. I don't know. Maybe we need to think about that a little bit. How's our griping? How's our complaining? Because that's not going to move you closer to the victory. And here's number five. This one, to me, I see a lot. When you look through the eyes of fear, we eventually give up and blame God. Look at verse 3. Listen to what they said. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land to be killed with swords? We were better off back in Egypt. My church family, God wanted them in a land of milk and honey. God wanted them in freedom, to live in freedom. It was not God's fault. Guess what? Go back to Egypt. Go back to the good old days. How good were the good old days? They were slaves for 400 years. It was slavery. But here's the thing. It was predictable. It was predictable. Oh, I know it's a bad situation, Pastor Phil. I know it's bad, but it's predictable. I know, I know. Listen, and here's what it is. It was slavery, but it was safe. It was safe. And many confuse safe. They don't understand that a lot of times safe just means slavery. I know it's a bad situation, but at least it's predictor. I call it, to coin a phrase, safery. You don't know that your own safe and comfort is actually not even moving you towards victory. And here's what I've learned. You're either moving towards risk and freedom or you're moving towards safety and slavery. But I want to tell you this, safety and freedom are on the opposite ends of the spectrum. God wanted them to conquer. God wanted them to have a land of their own. God wanted them to have freedom, not to be slaves. And you know what, my church family? There is no real freedom without taking risks. For some of you and some of the things that you've gone through and addictions, what? You made a decision. I'm going to take a risk. I'm not going to do this anymore. What did that mean? You know what that risk meant for you? Let's just be honest. That meant you were going to have to stop hanging out with some of the people that you were hanging out with. You had to take a risk. But see, sometimes that means getting out of your comfort zone. That means hanging out with a whole new group of people who are smarter than you, that are free. And you're like, man, I don't know how to adapt. I've been dealing with this. But you know what? You made a move. And look at you now. Look, you're free. You're not bound by those things anymore. But you know what? You took a risk. And it's the same with God. My church family, God made you as a child of God a risk taker. Let me say it again. God made you a risk taker. That's how I spell faith. R-I-S-K. It's all risk. Give you my life, Jesus? Because here's the thoughts. I think I could live my life better than you could tell me to live my life. And that's what I did for 19 years of my life. Lived it how I thought I should live it. And you know what I ended up? I ended up on my knees saying, God, if you're real, I need to know. Because I'm really to end it all. 
And he said, take your life, give it to me, and I'll give you something back that you could never imagine or dream of. And my church family, he has done that today, but it was risky. But I came to the end of myself, and I'm telling you that the life that God has for you is better and bigger than any life you could even think or imagine for yourself. Come on, can you give him a great round of applause? Because he's so good. God made you to live by faith, not die in the desert. Two million people died in the desert. You know why? Because they saw their life through fear. Saw their life through fear. Can I just say this before we go into this last five things, looking through the eyes of faith? I pray that the Holy Spirit today, right now as I'm talking, makes you aware of people who are projecting on you their fears. You know, when we moved from El Paso, we've only lived in Marietta about five years. The church is about four and a half years. But um, when we moved, people were, oh, I would never do that. I and I just kept thinking in my head, God didn't call you to do that. He called me. So stop putting your fear on me. Because you know what I found? Not everybody goes to the promised land. Two million people died. But Joshua and Caleb went and they lived the dream, and they risked it. And you know what I love about Caleb? Caleb was now 80 years old because he had to be with all the whiners and the complainers. But when he got to the promised land, he was 80 years old, and he said, I'm still going to take this mountain. And the Bible says that he felt like as if he was 40. God had renewed his strength to take the, the victory. And I'm just saying that for all of us, no matter what age you are, come on, God can redeem the time and give you the victory. Come on. So are you seeing through the eyes of faith or the eyes of fear? And here's the contrast. When you start seeing through the eyes of faith, the perspective changes. Let me just show you five things about faith as we close today. Here's number one. See, because faith brings the proper perspective to your problems. It will. You know, I have a seven-year-old son, and I love being a father. I just love him. I love him so much. I don't want to see him fall. I don't want to see him mess up. Sometimes he falls. And my son does not like to see bruises. My son does not like to see cuts. He will fall, bump himself, and he will be like, oh, no, oh, my God. Ah. Dad, 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 look at it. Look at it, dad, 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 look at it. How does it look? How does it look, dad? And I look. I'm like, son, it's just a bruise. It's just a bruise. Oh, but, but dad, uh, give me a Band-Aid. Give me a Band-Aid because Band-Aids heal the world. This is what I found. I could put a Band-Aid, I mean, literally on the, on the flip side of that, there could be blood gushing. He's like, Dad, how's it look? I'm like, hey, you're going to be all right. You're going to be okay. Give me a Band-Aid. And it's gushing blood, right? And I'll put a Band-Aid on. He's like, okay. But you know what? God forbid he ever looked down and he sees that bruise. I mean, it could be this small. And I thought about that. And I thought, are we kind of like that with our problems? Have you ever looked at your problems through God's perspective? Because that's what faith does. Faith sees what God sees about you. Faith sees what God sees about your problems. And did you ever wonder what your problems look like from God's perspective? Have you ever flown? Have you ever been in an airplane and you look out the window and you see San Diego when you're flying over San Diego and it looks this big? 
And you're like, whoa, man. And you feel like, wow, this is much how God sees everything. Everything looks so small. It does because you're looking from a bigger perspective. And that's what faith will do. See, you look at your problems and go, they're so big. But in reality, when you look at them through the eyes of God, they're so small. But here's the question. How big is your God? Because when you see a big God, problems look small. But when you have a small God, problems look very, very big. And so faith sees it from God's perspective. I love what G Genesis 18, 14 says. It says, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Now, as we talk about faith, it's important. Faith doesn't deny problems. Faith doesn't say, no, 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 I don't have problems. That's not faith. Faith doesn't deny the facts. Faith just doesn't focus on the facts. Faith focuses on the truth. The fact is, you may have gone to the doctor and given a diagnosis, but the truth is that by Jesus' stripes, you were already healed 2,000 years ago. I'm going to focus on the truth, not just facts. The fact is, is that you are a child of God. Focus on the truth. That's the truth. Here's number two. As we look at our lives through the perspective of faith, this will help you. Faith is a law. It's so important that we understand this. Why? Listen to Romans chapter 3, verse 27. It says, then what becomes of our boasting? Is it excluded? By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, by a law of faith. Faith is a law. Faith is not a theory. I like theories. I like reading about theories. I like watching movies about theories. I am so excited to see Transformers. And my wife's like, oh, that's just a horrible movie, the plot. I don't go for the plot. I'm a guy. I go to see things blow up. Come on, somebody. Go for a plot. What do you think? I, I'm a full-blooded male. I want to see. I, I just love the, 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 I forget the, the, the big guy in, in Transformers, the, the, the head guy. I love his voice. Is it, huh? Optimus Prime. And when he speaks, it's like God speaking. And the whole theater just rumbles. I'm like, ah! So glad I could pay my two bucks at Tamiku Theater and go see it. I love theory. But here's what we need to teach our kids. That faith is not a theory. This is not a theory. Faith is a law. And here's the thing about laws. Laws will work the same way for everyone all the time. When I got up this morning, I was not concerned about the law of gravity. Even now, I'm not concerned about standing here and accidentally floating to the ceiling. I'm not concerned about that. Why? Because there is a law of gravity. And the law, I didn't wake up this morning and take off my sock and go, okay, I'm going to throw my sock. See, oh, yeah, law of gravity. Thank you. Get out of bed. I would never do that. You know, all of us today, we are so secure in the law of gravity. The law of gravity works the same for everyone. Now, if you've been born again, here's the thing. You already have the spirit of God inside of you. You have faith. You have faith in you. But you can't function in it if you don't know that it's there. And you don't have the knowledge of how to govern the faith. Do you know the law of aerodynamics have been in existence since creation? But man didn't have knowledge of it until recently. 
And you, what I find interesting is that it wasn't God keeping man from flying. You know, a lot of people say, well, if God wanted us to fly, he would put wings in the back of our, uh, in, the back, in, in our back. No, 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 no. It wasn't God that was stopping people from flying. It was our ignorance of the law that governed flight. And you know what? It wasn't God who is keeping you from having faith. God has already put faith in you. And so with that measure of faith, God's people have been perishing. You know why? Because they don't know how to develop and use their faith. And I'm here to tell you, faith is a law. I know what you're thinking. Well, it didn't work for so-and-so. I'm glad you said that. That's why I love you. You're so intelligent. You're thinking. That's why I put in my notes, number three, faith has a focus. And look what the focus is, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Looking unto who? Come on, say his name. Looking unto who? Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Who is the focus of my faith? Jesus. Well, Pastor Phil, the word of God should be the focus of our faith. He is the word. The Bible says that the word was made flesh and the word dwelt among. You could call Jesus Jesus or you could call him the word. He is the word. See, what we don't understand is that when we look at this and reread this, we're actually spending time with Jesus. He is the word. But my focus needs to be Jesus. Listen, my focus is not religion. My focus is not, oh, this and that and that church. Listen, can I just tell you, when you see Jesus for who he really is, you peel back the religion, see him for who he really is, you will have faith. You, your faith will be stirred. Can I just encourage you? Faith has a focus. The focus is not a family member. I hear this all the time. And I think people get confused about this. Well, you know, I know you're talking about healing and all this stuff, but what about my Aunt Mary? You know, my Aunt Mary, uh, you know, she just, I think she loved Jesus. And, you know, can, can I just say something? Nobody knows about Aunt Mary, what she believed, how she believed. So why are you making that the focus of your faith? You're just confusing yourself. And you know what, in reality, I've been on many deathbeds where people are taking their last breath. And you need to hear this because I've been praying for people and they said, don't pray for me anymore. Listen, they said, I want to go to be with Jesus. They said, I'm tired. I don't want to fight. I just want to be in his presence. And I'm like, hold on, take me with you. Like, I want to go too. But I know it's not my time. But you know what we do a lot of times is that somebody wants to go be with Jesus. And we're like, oh, I don't know why ideas didn't come through for them. Why don't you just relax? Because you know what? Maybe they wanted to go be with Jesus. Maybe they're like Paul and they said, I've finished my race. It's time for me to go. But you know what? The devil will always give you these little examples. What about Aunt Mary? What about Grandma? Listen, I love Grandma. And no matter how you call her, uh, Peepaw, Mima, Oh Me, Oh My, uh, Mima me, PP, whatever you call grandma. Listen, I love it, but God forbid I'm not letting my kids call me PP when I am a grandfather. I see this all the time. A lot, this brilliant young man will come back serving in the army, right, from Iraq, and his grandkids are calling him PP? Abuelita, abuelito, bonuelo, whatever. I don't know. You, you, Say whatever, but you know what? Grandma, as much as I love grandma, I can't believe he's talking about my grandma. I love grandma, but she's not the focus of your faith. Jesus is. 
Jesus is the, and here's what I found. Whenever I take my eyes off Jesus, I start looking through the perspective of fear. Now, there are people who will inspire your faith, but you know what? I'm gonna be honest with you. I love certain preachers, but you know that there are preachers that are around that inspired me that I just found out one of my favorite preachers, he's not preaching anymore. You know what? He fell. He just had an affair with somebody else. Can I just tell you, he is not the focus of my faith. My heart goes out to him. I love him. I'll pray for him, but I'm not gonna fall just because somebody else fell because they're not the focus of my faith. Jesus is. Excuse me for getting passionate about this, but you know what? For every example you can tell me of somebody who didn't get healed, I can give you an example of people who have. So stop, let's stop all this and focus and fix our faith on the author and the finisher of our faith. I know grandma's been around for a long time, but she is not the author and the finisher of your faith. Jesus is. Can you hear my heart today? Now my focus is not even to be on my faith. I'm not talking today about faith and faith. Well, I got the faith and I got the faith. No, 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 no. Faith in Jesus. In Jesus. Because when you see him, it'll stir your faith up. And isn't that amazing? It stirs your faith up. And here's number four. Faith moves God. Faith moves God. There are so many times you hear Jesus say in the Bible, according to your faith. According to, Pastor Phil, you're saying I have a part to play? You have a part to play. He said, be according to your faith. When you look at the miracles in the Bible, you can always trace it back to someone who believed or had faith. Well, what about Lazarus? Lazarus was dead. Yeah, but there was somebody who went and got Jesus. Woo! Somebody went and got Jesus and believed that Jesus could do something. Do you remember the centurion? The centurion, right? Not, wasn't a Jew. He was a Gentile, right? He, he wasn't a Jew. He was a Gentile. Had, his servant was sick. He went up to Jesus and said, Jesus, please just say the word and my servant will be healed. Look what Jesus said, Matthew chapter 8, verse 13. He said this. Look what he told the centurion. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believe it would. And his servant was healed when? At that very moment. At the moment when? When he had faith. One translation says, be it according to your faith. This guy was like, I'm, listen, Jesus, I'm not even worthy for you to come in my house. My house is dirty. We have not cleaned the headboards. You know, I'm just, it's not that there's dishes in the sink. But if you'll just say a word, I know my servant will be healed. And you know what? The moment that Jesus said he's healed, he was healed. My church family, that is faith. What moved God? Faith. You see Jesus going to heal one person. Somebody else had faith and it totally stopped him. A woman with the issue of blood stopped. Jesus because she broke through the crowd and moved and touched him. You know what? She was healed because faith moves God. Can I have a good amen this morning? Now as we close, faith is not just believing. Let me say that again. Faith is not just believing. The Bible says that the demons believe and tremble. In other words, they just know, yeah, there's a God. And he goes, ooh. Oh, there's a God. Yeah, ooh. That's what the demons do. Here's the thing. Believing, if it doesn't move you to action, is not faith. But when you believe and it moves you to action, faith always has action. When you go to the grocery store and you walk through and you go and you see the doors that open, it has a little sensor on the top. 
those doors do not open until you take that step. Well, why are you taking the step? You're taking the step because you believe when you take that step, the doors are open. But here's what many Christians do. And I think that many people are here. They stand here at the door and they look this. Yeah, you know, Phil, I believe those doors are gonna open. I, I, I do. And then somebody will walk through. Oh yeah, look, the doors are open. Yeah, I know you believe that the doors will open, but when are you gonna walk through it? Because the reality is this, a belief that doesn't move you is not really a core belief in your life. See, until I take the step, that is faith. But I can sit here and I think this is where many people are with God. I believe there's a God and you know, I believe. And why doesn't this happen? Why doesn't that happen? Because you need to take the step towards the sensor and the sensor is only activated by faith. And until you move past this, I believe, because the reality of it is, if you believe it, you would do it. If you believed it, you would do it. Because faith always translates into action. And you know what? It gives God such pleasure. He will reward you. The Bible says, I love this. Psalms chapter 35 verse 27 says that let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. God loves when his children succeed. Don't you? Don't you love when your children succeed? I've never met someone say, oh, you know, I, I've had this kid. And I don't really care. I, he turns out to be a loser. I, everybody's, no, I love this kid. Look at this picture of my kid. Oh, I love him and I want him to succeed. And I want him to go to the best schools. How do you think God feels about you? He wants you to succeed. And here's the last one today, number five. When you look through the eyes of faith, faith unlocks God's promises. There are over 7,000 promises in the Bible. These are like unclaimed checks waiting for somebody to cash. And let me say it. Many people perish because of a lack of knowledge of these promises. There's promises in here for your health. There's promises in here for your wealth. There's promises in here for wisdom and making decisions. They're all here. And faith, when you read this in faith, it unlocks those promises. Do you know that there's a promise that God says that he will honor you with long life? Well, whenever it's my time, it's my time. I knew a couple. They felt that way. Whenever it's my time, it's my time. So they went to on vacation and he went on a different airline and she went on a different airline because it's like, well, if it's my husband's time, then his airplane will go down. If it's her time, then her plane will go down. And then I had a question. Well, what if it's the pilot's time? Then everybody goes down. There's promises in here. You know what? I believe that when I get on an airplane, that the angels fly with me. And we're going to talk about this. The Bible says he will give his angels charge over you to keep you, lest you even dash your foot against the stone. But see, so many people don't know those promises. And every day we pray that over our family. Lord, I thank you. When I send off my son to school and I don't know, I'm not going to see him for hours, that the angels go around him and keep him and watch over him. There's promises. And you know what? Faith will unlock those promises. Let me give you this last scripture about God's promises. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 says, For all the promises of God in him are what? Come on, say it loud. Or what? Yes. yes. And in him, amen. To the glory of God through us. 
Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information on Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.